Welcome to Starkville Church of God. This is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope this inspires you, strengthens you, and fills you with God's love so you can share with others. Enjoy the message. I'm going to be reading out of the book of Luke chapter 17. So if you have your Bibles, you want to turn with me. I hope you have your Bibles. If not, there's a cool app on your phone called Version that has your Bible too that you can utilize. And there are amazing reading plans that can help you be in the presence of God, being in his word throughout Monday through Saturday. And I hope that you're doing that. I hope that you're finding time to be in his presence, that you're not just getting fed only on Sundays, but that you are getting spiritually fed and you're preparing Monday through Saturday as well so that you can get the most out of Sunday when we come together to bless the Lord, because that's important. It's so important that we spend time with God. It's one of the ways that he speaks to us. Amen. I'm thankful that we have a God that's just not a silent God and that we don't have a God that's still in a grave, but that we have a God who's alive and that he wants to have a relationship with us and wants to speak with us, to communicate with us. So this morning, I'm going to be talking to you on the subject of an attitude of gratitude. I feel that's a little appropriate for Thanksgiving week, right? (laughs) To be thankful. So we're going to read from Luke chapter 17. I'm going to begin with verse 12. It says, and as he entered a village, he was met by 10 lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. And he fell on his face at Jesus's feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Then Jesus answered and says, we're not 10 cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And then verse 19 says, And he said to him, Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Let's pray together one more time. Father, Lord, thank you for your word. And I just thank you, God, that we can gather together as a church to hear the words that you have for us today. And I pray you'd open up our hearts, our minds, our ears, God, to hear and receive and apply the word that you have for us this morning, God. And that it would be your words, not mine, God. I pray for your anointing, God. Father, for you just to to move in these next moments, God, that we would concentrate and focus on you. Thank you for your word. In your name I pray. Amen. So in this text, Jesus is on one of his many road trips, and this time he is headed to Jerusalem. It tells us in the beginning, if we had started with verse 11, it starts out telling us that he was on his way to Jerusalem. So that's where he's going. Just paraphrasing the story that we just read, there's 10 lepers that we see, and and they are sick. But we see that Jesus heals them. But this morning, I want to take a moment and I want to step inside of this story with you. There's something that's special about this story. There's something deep here that sometimes we don't get a hold of and that we're going to focus on for the next moments. You see, when we look at this story, we meet 10 men who have contracted the most dreaded disease probably of their day. The physical ramifications of of leprosy are awful to consider. They're compounded by the fact that there was simply no medical solution in that day. So there was no way to fix it. There was nothing they can do. Once you get it, oh no, you're just stuck with it. There's no cures. You see, leprosy is caused by a bacteria that's similar to what we know as tuberculosis. But it has unique and it has terrible differences. It reprograms the body on a cellular level so that the body actually ends up attacking itself, 
causing pigment changes in the skin, sores that don't heal for months and months, and it leaves the body vulnerable to severe and sometimes even fatal infections. And then you have a loss of sensation in the nerve endings, a severe degradation of muscle response. And this disease can take 30 years sometimes to run its full course. And you're sitting there like, why are you telling me this nasty? That's the last thing I want to hear. Because I want you to fully understand when we talk about leprosy, what these men had. This wasn't just a little skin rash. This was something awful with no cure that over 30 years sometimes it would take to run its course before it would finally kill them. And then you add the emotional pain. They were humans, you and I. We crave relationships. We crave longing. I love for my wife to hug me. I love hugs. And I don't mean everybody come hug me at the end of service. You can't. But I love hugs. And and I think most of us love love. We want to be loved. We want to be accepted. We want to have friendships. We want to go out and and fellowship. We long for that. We long for relationship. That's an emotional need, how God created us, which is perfectly fine. Now, there's some special people who are more introvert, and they're like, get away. I don't want nobody. Like, there were some people during COVID that was like, whoa, this is great. I'm by myself, finally. I was not one of those people, let me tell you. I was going crazy, bouncing off the walls. I could not wait to get out. When I got to to go, like, shovel snow, I was more excited about that than anything I'd been excited about in a while. And you're like, oh, snow. Like, we we had to shovel three times a day. I was excited because it got me out of the house finally. But when we look at the emotional pain, the lepers were cut off from people. It says that the first sign of the disease, a leper is immediately quarantined outside of the city. He's removed from family. He's removed from the community. A leper would never again feel the embrace of his wife. He would never play with his children again or gather his grandchildren in his arms. It was just too risky. And then lepers were required by the law. They had to announce their presence at a distance and warn those who approached that they were unclean. All human contact was um, severed except for the sad camaraderie of their fellow untouchables. And what they mean by that is basically the ones who had leprosy, they were allowed to touch each other. They were allowed to be together, but I'm pretty sure they weren't hugging up on one another because they probably didn't feel like it. They missed it. They missed their family. It was key to the relationship. But we see that there's this emotional pain because they can't do nothing but be together with those that are suffering. For me, this sounds a lot like some of our experiences from the pandemic, if you think about it. Now, we didn't have people with skin rotting off, but... We had to be separated from our loved ones. People were not allowed to see family members sometimes for over a year. I remember um, when I caught COVID, I had to be in quarantine for 36 days. And I got COVID three different times. That was one of the times because you, in the beginning, you had to go and Germany made you stay 14 days in your house. Then you got to America to visit and you had to do 14 days in your house. Then we caught COVID and had to do 14 days in our house. My goodness, it was so much. And you had to like tell people like, hey, I got COVID. You got to wear a mask. We still have the mask going on. It's not as bad. We've gotten better about it. But then you remember, you were there. You've went through the experiences. We couldn't even meet together as the church. So we can identify just a little bit, maybe, about what these men might have been feeling and what they might have been going through with their leprosy. But there's one more thing that you should know that adds even a psychological trauma to this um, experience. Beth Moore has a book, and she uh, titled it Jesus, the One and Only. And in her book, she states that she had an opportunity to travel to a part of the world where there was a modern-day leper colony. 
She felt compelled to minister to those who were suffering, but Beth said that she couldn't bring herself to go inside. Now, she felt compelled, but she couldn't go inside. Why is that? She states the reason was that she walked by three different times trying to overcome this inner resistance, but she said there was this overpowering smell of decay, and it was too much to handle. So a leper had to live with this. He had to watch his body slowly but surely turn into something awful and probably have this scent of, of death filling their nostrils all the time. Can you imagine that? We don't want to, but I want you to fully understand what was happening in this story. Can you imagine the desperate men, how they're huddled together, and yet somehow in their little huddle, they're dealing with all this, they look up and they identify Jesus from a distance. They never met him, it says. But we have to understand that maybe, just maybe they heard about him through stories of people that would walk by because they could hear them as they walked by and they took their distance. They had heard about his remarkable authority. They heard about his wise teaching. They heard about his powerful healing. And I imagine they're wondering, could such things be true? Like, are these stories true? Is that really him? And then they reach a point saying, what do they have to lose? They tried everything else. You ever been there where you feel like you've tried everything else? We are so bad. So maybe I'm just talking to me. I am so bad sometimes about how we try this, we try that. And then we're like, oh, wait, I've got God. <laughs> Why didn't I try that one first? We're just being honest. I had a scenario, and I've shared that many times, where I got healed right down there. And it was the case where I went through doctors and finally was like, you know what? I should have just prayed. I went and prayed, and God healed me instantly. I was like, my goodness, why didn't I start with that? I was so mad at myself. But I was so excited also that God chose to heal me. And so I imagine these guys are sitting there thinking, we've tried probably everything. Nobody will touch us. We can't go to the hospitals. We can't do anything. So let's try Jesus. So it says that they shout across the distance. And I imagine they shout, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They probably hollered a whole lot louder. I'm not going to do that to you, but you get the idea. <laughs> they were hollering for him to look. And what they were saying, I believe, is they were saying, mercy, Jesus, give us mercy. Let our predicament bring compassion in your heart and move you to help us, God. Don't look the other way like so many religious teachers have been looking. Have mercy on us, I believe, was the cry of their heart. Just through that one line where they shouted, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And then they hear from Jesus something incredible. They hear, go and show yourselves to the priest. You see, the local priest was much more than the worship leader. We know the Levites as the priest, and they were the worship leaders back then, but they were also the appointed health inspector. If a person was, was um, stricken with any kind of infectious disease, they had to go before the priest who would inspect their body, and he would make the final call. If the priest gave him the all-clear, then the once deceased person could freely re-enter society. But if he said no, unclean, they had to leave the community. They had to get outside of the camp. So Jesus calls back to these lepers and he says, go and show yourselves to the priest. That's such a powerful word, right? I'm not sure that's what they were looking for. <laughs> they like, Jesus, have mercy. Hey, go show yourselves to the priest. <laughs> I'm sure they had something else in mind. Maybe they wanted to hear like you're healed. Something else other than just go show yourselves to the priest. But that was the word that they were given. But notice Jesus doesn't say you are healed. He tells them basically to behave as though they have already been cured. 
I find it interesting that he told them, just, just go on, just like you ain't got it no more, basically, if we put it into our terms to understand it. And I find from this that sometimes we have to begin to praise him in the middle of our mess. When it don't look good, when we can't see up or down, sometimes we got to stop and just begin to praise him like it ain't there. That's hard to do sometimes because we're so... This, this feeling of drowning maybe is overcoming us. I've had times where I feel like I was going through a tsunami hitting me, and I don't know which way is up or down or left and right. And you're saying, Joel, how, how can you worship and praise God in the middle of that? There's a song that says, I throw up my hands and just praise you again, because that's all I've got is a hallelujah. Sometimes we don't have the words, but we have a hallelujah. I'm not sure what the doctor's report is going to say. But the Bible says, we shall believe the report of the Lord. We shall believe the report of the Lord. Don't let the enemy win. A little over a month ago, um, I had an incident where I pulled a muscle in my back. The funny part is I was carrying a kid. (laughs) My youngest kid. I just picked him up and I was walking across the house and I pulled a muscle. Some of the college students in band called me grandpa and made fun of me and had some fun with that. Some of them still call me Grandpa, even though I don't do it as bad. (laughs) I remember I was trying to bend over. They're like, hey, Grandpa, be careful. Don't bend over. You'll hurt yourself. Because I'd be like, oh, gosh, here we go. And so uh, I went to a doctor, and I tried to get all the drugs I can, because y'all give good stuff here in Germany. They would give me, like, an ibuprofen. I'm like, what is that? (laughs) I need something real. I need some some morphine. Come on, give me something good. (laughs) Some of y'all are like, oh, no, we don't do that. Yeah, you do. I had a surgery on my ankle one time, and I told them, I said, now, I want to remind you, I'm American. And they said, what does that mean? I said, I don't do this little stuff that y'all do. It's cute. I need some real stuff. I want you to put me under so I don't wake up in the surgery and I don't feel no pain. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 we can do this. We can do this. I'm like, are you sure? Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? I don't want pain. <laughs> they said, okay. And the, the, what the surgery was, I tore two ligaments. They had to drill a hole through both of the bones, and they were going to tie the bones back together with like a makeshift ligament, basically, kind of like a shoestring. And so I, I, I believe them. I'm confident that they know what they're saying, that they're going to do this. This is the anesthesiologist. And it was all in English, so there was no misunderstanding. <laughs> I go and I have the surgery, and I wake up. Do you know what they offer me? Two ibuprofens. <laughs> Two of those. I said, no, no, I take that back. They offered me three. I got one three times a day. And I said, I take two of those for a headache, and you're giving me one every four to six hours for pain. So the first two days I cried, nothing but crying. I begged them. I I didn't know how to even ask them in their language for help, but I figured that me screaming would get their attention by day two. And I just began to holler like I lost my mind. And they came in there, and I'm like, pain. (laughs) And I don't know what they gave me, but I began to float off of that bed. That pain went away, and it was, it was, it was great. It was soft. But it, here's the thing is, you know, there's, there's moments where we have to do those kind of things. When I did my back injury that I was sharing with you, I had went to the doctor. They, they gave me something that they thought would be strong. But I remember coming here, and we had prayer meeting. And if you don't know about this, every Tuesday we have prayer meetings here as the body of Christ. Now, I look around here, and we've got quite a great crowd of people here. We got about five that come to that prayer meeting. And I know y'all are praying at work and you're praying at home and you're believing in spirit, but it's also great when we can gather. If you're able to gather with us, I want to invite you to come and to see what God is doing. Because in one of those meetings, I told that group, I said, hey, I have hurt my back. 
I went to the doctor. This has happened. Would you pray for me? And they laid hands and we anointed oil. And let me tell you something, that part of my back was healed. And God just did a work in that because I trusted the healer. Now, the other part of that story is the lower part of my back. I'm just giving you all all my history here. It's okay. But I was in an incident uh, in June when I went to camp meeting. I was tail-ended, and it re-agitated a lot of stuff in my lower tailbone. And so they have been trying to treat that. They have been uh, doing physical therapy. I do water therapy. They did dry needling. They put me on some medieval traction machine where they stretch me different ways. (laughs) I call it medieval. It's obviously not medieval today. But it's the same concept, and they're doing all these things trying to help me. And the whole time I'm praying... And I'm like, God, heal me. And so I went to God as a healer first. And sometimes God does it a little differently. Maybe there's a person that I need to encounter. Maybe there's someone that there's going to be a relationship developed through Jesus because of my time there. I don't know what his plan is, but I know that it's good and not for evil. And I know that his ways are higher and his ways are, are greater is what his word tells me. So I have to trust him. And what I decided is that I can stand here and I can be in pain and I can allow it to affect me. And I'm not going to worship because I'm in pain. I'm going to sit down because it hurts. Or I can just praise him like I've already been healed. And that's what I've decided to do, to not let the enemy win. So a lot of times you'll see me up here when I'm worshiping. Today, I was doing a little something different than I've ever done. Um, But most of the time when I'm in front, I can't be still. Now, people make fun of me all the time. I got my rapture drills because I can't jump with a guitar too well. But if I don't have a guitar, I'm all over the place because I can't, I'm not going to allow my worship to be contained. I'm not saying that's the only way to worship, but what I'm telling you is that I refuse to let the enemy win and I'm going to begin to praise him just as he told those lepers to, like I've already been healed. And sometimes we need to just begin to praise him like he's already done it for our victory. Let's do a victory lap. Are you with me this morning, church? Do you understand? That's what God asked. That's what Jesus asked these lepers to do to act like and just behave like they had already been healed. Imagine these guys probably looked down at their bodies. They probably looked at each other when he says this, I imagine, and nothing changed. He says, just go to the priest. And they're like, um, um, why? Like, this ain't changed. What's going on? Maybe the hands of one of the men was still mangled. Maybe another one was missing three toes. <laughs> Maybe they still had the, 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 the messed up, skin, but they had heard enough that they knew that that Jesus wasn't playing cruel games. They knew who he was from the stories and how he was the healer. So they trusted in his command and they set off immediately in search of those priests to go show themselves. When we look into the story, we see two important things that took place. One of those was a lesson about faith and the other one was an offering of thanksgiving. We're going to spend a moment on a lesson of faith, and then we're going to talk about an offering of thanksgiving and how that leads us to an attitude of gratitude. So let me pause here to say something that we all hear about faith on this Thanksgiving week. If you wait until your problems are over to start walking in faith, you might miss the power of God that is in your circumstances. You cannot put conditions on a holy God, and sometimes we do that. We try to give instructions and say, okay, God, if you'll do it this way, then I'll do this. Lord, as soon as there's enough money, I'll follow your instructions about tithing and giving. You can't pray, Lord, if you'll just solve this issue in my family, I'll start going to church again. God, if you'll heal this person, I'll I'll go to church. God, if you'll do this, I'll go to church. We cannot put conditions on God. Instead, God calls us to trust him before anything has changed to trust in his ways, to trust in his plan. And he asked a question to you and I. He says, will you love me despite the disease? 
Will you obey me despite the lack of ability or the lack of resources that you might have right now? Will you follow me right now despite the depression that you're experiencing? Will you trust me? Trust me that I will do what I say even when the evidence defiles that I will come to that conclusion. Will you trust me is what he's asking to us. You see, faith without works is dead. And there's a lot of people in Starkville, Mississippi, and in our surrounding areas who say they have faith in Christ, but our choices and our actions seem to contradict that claim a lot of times. We know, I hope we know what Jesus is looking for. He's not looking for a person that's going to fake it till they make it. We have those moments where if we're real and we're honest, we, we've been there and we feel like we're faking it till we're making it. We're in burnout. We're like, oh, it's Sunday, I could just sleep, do I have to go? My God, my God, I gotta get over this. But God is not looking for a person that's simply gonna fake it till they make it. He's looking for something sincere and something real. He's looking for what he found in Noah, who believed God's warning about the flooding of the earth, so much so that it moved him to build a huge boat before it ever rained and looked crazy. But he had faith and he believed in God. He's looking for what he found in Abraham, who believed God's promises so much that he uprooted his entire family and he followed God's lead to a land that he had never seen. That's what God is looking for. And some of you are in horrible circumstances right now. What awaits you maybe this week is is this great question of will you trust him beyond what you can see? What is God holding in store for those who will take him at his word? May we be doers of his word and not just hearers of his word. But we not only see a lesson about faith, we see this offering of thanksgiving. Imagine again this pitiful group that we're talking about and they're, they're now gotten this message from Jesus to go show themselves to the priest. So they begin to walk. And I imagine as I'm looking and trying to imagine, we've imagined what they look like. We've imagined the emotions. And now they're limping. They're trying to get there. It didn't say that they was just like, whoo, yeah, I got it. It wasn't none of that kind of stuff. Some of them may have crutches. Maybe some of them had legs that were not healthy. There was all kinds of stuff going on. And so they're limping their way to the priest because they're being obedient in their faith to Christ's command that he's given them. And the Bible reports that as they went, they were healed. I wonder who noticed first. The Bible doesn't tell us that, but I imagine that all at once, one of them's walking and, woo, something felt different. <laughs> I hadn't been able to do that. Like, oh, oh, that pain went away. Oh, something changed. Oh, I just felt strong. Like that crutch fell out. Like, oh, I don't need that one no more. I imagine these things begin happening. Maybe a hand reappeared. <laughs> and begin tingling with with life. They all of a sudden begin feeling healthy and and whole and complete. Their skin cleared. Tiny hairs on their arms turned from snow white back to the right colors. We don't know exactly how this went down. We just know that it only took seconds probably of, of that happening before the shouts of joy began. I imagine laughter broke out for the first time in many years with this group of men as they're walking And I'm sure their minds begin calculating what this meant and is it too good to be true? Maybe there was a realization of, oh, I can go home. I I get to see my parents. I can kiss my wife again. I can hold my my daughter. I can look for work. I imagine they're besides themselves. 
And so they begin to run, and it says they raced off in the distance. And I imagine they're, they're probably in tears, tears streaming, tears of joy, tears of happiness that's going on. And they're, they're running, and they're tearing away rags that once maybe bandaged all of their, their scars on their body. I'm just trying to paint a picture so that we fully understand what might have been happening here. But we see that one man stopped dead in his tracks as the others ran ahead. And we watch him as he runs back. And it says that he began to shout praises to God. And then we see him fall at the feet of Jesus. A true attitude of gratitude to God, if you will. And I want to encourage you this week that we need to have our own attitude of, of gratitude to God. Our own offering of thanksgiving not just on Thanksgiving Day, but on every day. This week is special. We get to gather together. We get to, some call it Turkey Day. Woo! Some people are like, I hate turkey. I don't even have turkey. My family, we're trying to fry turkey for the first time this year. I don't even know what to do with myself. Like, we've never had that before. And some of y'all is like, you've been missing out your entire life. I want you to remember, I was in Germany almost six years with no Thanksgiving. I have been enjoying being back and having some Thanksgiving. My Lord, my Lord. It's good, but the best part is just being with people that you love, right? Whether it be friends, whether it be family, and we're so thankful for that. Here are three things that's going to help you and me in developing our own attitude of gratitude. If you're a note taker, I've put these points up for you today so that you can see these. Point number one is to track your blessings to their source. Jesus asked the obvious in verse 17. When the man comes back to him, to give him praise and a shout, and he says, were there not ten that were cleansed? He says, where are the other nine? You see, common decency tells us that thanks should be expected when grace has been shown. But Jesus' question points to something ugly in a lot of hearts today. There's a tendency in a lot of us to enjoy the gift without worshiping the giver. We take it for granted Sometime, And we've grown accustomed to, to comforts and to conveniences that are viewed as extraordinary in most of the world. Common grace has become so common that we have come to feel entitled to it sometimes. There's a story of one teacher who asked her students to list what they thought were the seven wonders of the world today. And the kids started raising their hands and there were answers such as uh, Egypt's Great Pyramids, the Taj Mahal, the Grand Canyon, China's Great Wall. One little girl did not lift her hand, and the teacher finally asked her directly and asked her why she hadn't offered any suggestions. She replied, she says, I can't make up my mind about which ones because there are so many. The teacher asked her to say what she had so far, and maybe they could help her. So the girl said, I think the seven wonders of the world are to see, to hear, to touch, to taste, to feel, to laugh, and to love. You see, we have so much that graces our lives on a constant basis for which we can be thankful. I think David has the right idea in Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5, and he's preaching to himself, but he says, My soul praise the Lord, and all that is within me praise his holy name. My soul praise the Lord, and do not forget all his benefits. And then he takes a couple verses and he begins to list all of the benefits. And then he moves on and says, he forgives all your sin. He heals all your diseases. He redeems your life from the pit. He crowns you with faithful love and compassion. 
He satisfies you with goodness. Your youth is renewed like the eagle. And his list continues on and on and on. I believe somewhere on his way to the priest, this this man who once was a leper who had been healed, walked through maybe the same spiritual exercise as we see that David writes about. I believe he counted his blessings and then he returned to the blesser. Before he celebrates with anyone else, he returns to offer the only thing he could. His heart felt gratitude and trust in the one who had been so good to him. And I want to challenge you sometime this week to stop and deliberately and purposefully consider the goodness of God. Don't rush ahead like the nine lepers who were so eager to go and to enjoy the bounty of food and to enjoy family, to to get to go back home, to forget where they came from. Don't miss the grace that's there in the back of your blessings. But instead, look through them to a heavenly father whose good pleasure is to give his children his kingdom. Don't miss out on the blessing. The first thing to help us develop our own attitude of gratitude is to track your blessings to their source. And then the second one is to let the measure of his mercy be the measure of your praise. When this leper returned, it says he was loud. Verse 15 and 16 tells us that he returned and with a loud voice he gave glory to God. Now how loud do you think he got? I don't know. I know I've gotten healed a couple of times and I wanted to shout down the house. I can only imagine if I had a life-threatening disease how much I might shout. I know I went to a couple of ball games. I know how loud we shouted for some people tackling and climbing on top of each other on a field. So I can only imagine what I might shout like if God healed me from something like that. Did he bring his cowbell out and begin to ring it and shout for Jesus? He got excited. The Greek words that were used in the original text here were megaphone, and that's where we get the word megaphone to give you a better idea of what kind of shouting maybe he was doing. You could hear this guy coming with an amplified praise, and this kind of praise, it's a joy at the top of your lungs. It's a, I don't care who hears or what they think. I don't care if I'm the only one doing it. I'm going to praise the Lord. He had spent years shouting in desperation, and now he shouted in appreciation. There's an unchangeable principle here that comes up um, and that comes to us from this. The one who has been healed, the one who has been healed much, praises much. And in this story, we see a man who had been healed much begins to praise much with this amplified Praise the one who understands the depths and dangers from which he has been delivered by the mercy of God is probably going to sing praise the loudest. You feel the the rescue so deeply that you want others to know the rescuer. We had a a chance in in January, I believe, or it may have been March, I went both times down to the well church where Pastor Jeremy Smith is over the, the rehab center and we've got Voice of Hope and Beauty from Ashes. We've had the group here come in and to visit But let me tell you something. When you go down there and the ones that went with me, they can recall this. Worship was something different when we went into that room and began to worship. Those people began to shout with a voice of triumph, much different than a lot of times what we experience on a Sunday to Sunday basis. Why do you think that is? Because they were worshiping 
their rescuer, and they wanted everyone to know the rescuer. They had been set free from drugs. They had been set free from alcohol addiction. God had set them free, and they're not going to miss an opportunity to worship and to give him praise. They're using an amplified praise. There's a shout that's going on. Sometimes I feel like we're a little intimidated, like, oh, my neighbor might not like that. i got to be careful. Woo. We don't seem to care. I did not care. Worship, but don't we want people to know how good our God is? Shouldn't we want that same desire, the same thing as when we're in our sporting events? And there's nothing wrong. Hear me. There's nothing wrong with cheering for my team. But don't hold back your amplified praise for God. This guy gives us an example of of having a reason to praise him. Psalms 35, verse 27, 28 says it like this. It says, let those who delight in my righteousness shout for joy and be glad. Let them continually say, the Lord be exalted, who wants his servants' well-being. And my tongue will proclaim your righteousness, your praise, all day long. Let the incomprehensible debts of his mercy to you be the gauge for your gratitude. And let it be loud. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel like you've got to hold back. Can we stop? This is weird, maybe for some of you, but can we take a second and we actually do that right now? Can we stop and take a moment and really give him a megaphone, amplified kind of praise right now? Can we do that, church? Can we lift our voice to him? Can we shout with a voice of triumph right now? Can we lift our voice to him? We worship you, Jesus. We praise you, Father. Thank you for your love. Thank you, Jesus. He's worthy of our praise, church. And I don't know about you, but I've got a reason to praise him. If it's simply that he put breath in my lungs and woke me up this morning, it's enough for me to shout. If he's healed me, I've got a bigger reason to shout. If he brought me through the miry clay, I've got a reason to shout. You're like, I can't see him working. That song we sing all the time says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I can't feel it, you're working. Praise him and believe that he's working for your good. So number one, we said was track your blessings to their source. Number two, let the measure of his mercy be the measure of your praise. And then my third and final point is to see the place gratitude has in saving faith. There are two words to describe what happened to all ten Lepers. When we look in verse 15, we find the word healed. And this word comes from uh, the original word used medically in Jesus' day to mean mended or whole or even cured. And then there's another medical term that comes in verse 17 that's used, and that's the word cleansed. It also emphasizes this idea of wellness, but it's a social dimension as well. It meant that they were free from this stigma. They were free from this defilement that had been brought on in their lives from leprosy. They were now ceremonially clean, as the priests would tell them that they're clean. They were totally cured. But there's one more word that Jesus says exclusively to this very thankful man that we catch at the end. He says, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Made you well. That's a different word than the other two that he uses. It's not necessarily a medical word, but it's used to describe the safe delivery of a baby sometimes. The actual word is sozo, 
And that means saved. It means rescued from danger. The Greeks used it for people who escaped dangerous situations. Sailors surviving a storm at sea, when they had been saved, they would be sozo, declaring that they had been saved, that they had been rescued from danger. When Matthew began his gospel, he starts with this Christmas story, as we're going to be getting into as we get ready to celebrate Christmas. And he says that the angel told Joseph to name the Christ child Jesus because that name meant that he would save people from their sins. This is also the word that uh, the apostle Paul used to describe what happens to a person who publicly confesses Jesus as Lord and that they believe he was our triumphant sin bearer. Romans chapter 10, verse nine says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This was the word Jesus uses for the man who took him at his word. He connected the healer to the healing, the rescuer to the rescue, the savior to the salvation. And as he falls on his face at our Lord's feet, Jesus sees something more in his heart. You see, gratitude is a part of our worship and worship is the essence of saving faith. I remember the moment in my life when the Holy Spirit connected those dots for me where he showed me that I was loved past all deserving. And in that moment, I remember I wanted to give everything that I had to Christ. I remember I was sitting, it was in a church and we had a, It was a children's function. I was seven years old, first time I got saved. (laughs) Some of us get saved multiple times. There's preacher's kids I know that get saved every Sunday. But I remember hearing about this Jesus and, and his love for me, how much he just wanted to have a relationship with me. And I remember getting on my, this is the weirdest way. Some of you might not do this, but I got down on my hands and my feet and I army crawled to the altar because I didn't feel I could even stand up, that I wasn't even worthy enough to stand up to walk down there, that I had to crawl to get to him, to give my life to him because I realized what he had done for me. And I realized once I received that, that I was alive and that I had gone from being dead to alive. And that you just don't go back to being dead. And I'm so thankful. And I pray that you're thankful. And if you're here this morning and you have not experienced that relationship with him, my goodness, what a week to be able to say that I gave my life to him, that I placed him in charge of my life. And if I do have a relationship with him, my goodness, I've got even more reason to be thankful in this week of Thanksgiving and each and every day as we're, we're thankful. Some are trying to take Thanksgiving and make it, I think, Gray Thursday so that we can get our shopping done for Black Friday. Bunch of mess. I like the deals. Those are fun. But Thanksgiving, it's special time. But each and every day is a day of thanksgiving when I'm walking hand in hand with my Lord and my Savior. This morning, if you're here, I believe he's speaking to those, maybe those who don't know him as Lord and Savior. 
This former leper understands this experience of once being dead and becoming alive, being made new. And when he met Christ, he's gripped by two fatal conditions, one of the body with leprosy and one of the soul with sin. And it says that now he was well in a way that surpassed all expectations. What about you? Are you well? Thanks for listening to our podcast. To find out more about us, follow us on social media at StarkvilleCOG. Special thanks to those who generously support this ministry. If you would like to give, visit us at StarkvilleCOG.com forward slash give. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week.